Greetings and welcome to Flanagan's Ecologic. In this episode, we cover Econet News, Volume 24, Issue Number 9, September 2022. Flanagan's Ecologic, Patagonia. The news that Yvonne Chouinard, the founder of Patagonia, and his family decided to gift their equity in the company to support climate protection hit me hard in the best way. How wonderful. The world is full of love, and especially so in the right places. Patagonia is one of those. Patagonia's founder, Yvonne Chouinard, his wife, and two adult children have irrevocably transferred their ownership of the large and highly respected outdoor apparel company to a set of specially designed trusts and a nonprofit organization. Chair of Patagonia, Charles Kahn, was quoted saying, we are turning capitalism on its head by making the earth our only shareholder. A few years ago, Patagonia changed its mission to something both simple and hard. We're in the business to save our home planet. Now founder Yvonne Chouinard and his family have given all of their Patagonia equity to a charitable entity to fund environmental conservation. From now on, the corporation's profits will fund efforts to deal with climate change, and to protect wilderness areas. It's an unusual approach to philanthropy, a gift that keeps on giving. Patagonia will remain a privately held enterprise worth about $3 billion and with annual profits of around $100 million per year in perpetuity. It all began in a chicken coop at his parents' home in Burbank. A rock-climbing enthusiast, Yvonne taught himself blacksmithing when he was 15 years old so he could make his own climbing gear. He hammered out his first pitons in 1957, the steel blades that climbers of that era would drive into cracks in the rock to anchor themselves to a wall. His family moved to Ventura, where he continued his work in a tin shed. In his homemade forge, he molded carabiners that he sold to his climbing friends. Quite a guy. He reminisces in an article that he would rock climb at Chatsworth in the morning, then surf in Rincon, and free dive for lobsters and abalone on the coast between Zuma and County Line for his dinner. His swath has only grown wider, his philanthropy more profound. Chouinard is known as a rock climber, environmentalist, philanthropist, and outdoor industry businessman. He grew up in Lewiston, Maine, and went to Stanford Graduate School. Chouinard is also a surfer, kayaker, and falconer, and fond of fly fishing. He founded Patagonia in 1973 and ran the company for, for just over 50 years, beginning as an eccentric rock climber in Yosemite. He was to become a reluctant billionaire. For years, Patagonia has been known for its commitment to protecting the environment. Patagonia is now operating in 10 countries globally with factories in 16 countries. Patagonia, based in Ventura, California, now sells more than a billion dollars worth of outdoor gear each year, and that will continue, now operated by a specially designed trust. Its profits will flow to another entity, Holdfast, that will distribute the money to organizations potent in climate mitigation. Quote of the Week, Electrolyzers 101. At the most basic level, water is provided to the electrolyzer, stack, 
which looks like a multi-decker sandwich. The layers use a special membrane painted with a catalyst to separate the water into hydrogen and oxygen using electricity to power the reaction. Plug Power website. Clean Power matches California's heat wave. For two weeks in September, California was blasted by a record heat wave, the hottest and longest on record. And guess what? The grid remained stable. There were not the feared rolling blackouts. Why did we get through? Some say because we are all in on clean energy technologies like wind and solar and battery and demand response. Without question, the combination of the rapid growth of storage and all kinds of efforts to reduce power demand were key to avoiding blackouts. Our most recent history shows that the power system can decarbonize and still stand up to climate extremes. Let's start with batteries. The California grid has the most installed battery capacity on any grid worldwide, according to Forbes. In the last intense heat wave in 2020, the state had about 250 megawatts of battery storage. Today, there is 3,050 megawatts of storage, more than the Diablo Canyon nuclear plant. California is home to the world's largest battery at Moss Landing. Note that in 2020, the state had a hard time meeting a peak demand of 45,000 megawatts. Earlier this month, the ISO topped 52,000 megawatts and still kept the lights and AC on. On September 6th, the eighth day of the historic heat wave, and at 2.30 in the afternoon, the California Independent System Operator, CAISO, notified utilities and consumers that a Level 3 emergency would begin at 5.30. The CAISO warned that there was a potential for rolling blackouts as solar production waned away at the end of the day. At 5.30, the Level 3 emergency was declared. Given this designation, market participants were encouraged to offer more energy bids. Blackouts were looming. And then at 5.48, a timely mobile alert from the California Office of Emergency Services may have prevented hundreds of thousands of Californians from being plunged into darkness in the middle of a heat wave Tuesday night. The text asked Californians to conserve, to avert outages, and the notice is credited with a sharp drop in demand. Within an hour, the grid had dropped 3,000 megawatts of load. A number of things have changed in California since the last heat wave in 2020. We have more solar. We have more wind. Over 3,000 megawatts of energy storage started providing energy to the grid and helped to stabilize the situation. Demand response resources kicked in too, taking well over another 1,000 megawatts off the grid. Ohm Connect sent 6 million communications to its 200,000 plus active members who toggled smart energy devices and saved 1.5 gigawatt hours during the peaks of the nine-day heat wave and earned $2.7 million in rewards. One of the new demand response programs for large customers is the Emergency Load Reduction Program, ELRP. It pays up to $2 per kilowatt hour during critical periods. Customers are even allowed to turn on their diesel generators to cut their import of power from the grid. Ten days of flex alerts kept Californians on their toes, voluntarily avoiding unnecessary peak power usage. On Tuesday, September 6th, the hottest day of the heat wave and the greatest grid stress when a new peak of 52,061 megawatts was set, eclipsing the prior peak of 50,270 megawatts in July of 2006, 
Blissfully, the wind picked up in the evening and provided 2,700 megawatts of power. Clearly, California is on the right path. Our clean energy portfolio is starting to work in our favor. The complement of solar, wind, storage, demand response, and voluntary actions was successful. More to come. But earlier this year, the California Public Utilities Commission, the CPUC, issued its preferred system plan that calls for 15,000 megawatts of new energy storage and demand response programs resources by 2032. Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. To many of us, the Inflation Reduction Act, the IRA, is a massive step in the right direction. It's time to invest in climate protection. While many readers will already be well aware of the IRA, we can't resist including it in this month's Econet News. The IRA's funding is profound. According to John Paul Meya of the Sunrise Movement, the bill is an important step in the decades-long intense decarbonization effort in this country. Within the IRA, which includes provisions for prescription drug pricing and healthcare access, are the energy security and climate change investments of 2022. The Congressional Budget Office, Office's official score of the final version of the IRA states that the $700 billion package includes $386 billion of climate and energy spending and tax breaks. Without question, the IRA represents the single biggest climate investment in U.S. history. The grants and tax credits are for new or expanded tax credits to promote clean energy generation, electrification, green technology retrofits for homes and buildings, greater use of clean fuels, environmental conservation, and wider adoption of electric vehicles. The IRA's goal is to put the country on track to achieve a 40% reduction of greenhouse gases below 2005 levels by 2030. Before the IRA, the trajectory had been for a 25% reduction. Some claim that the IRA doesn't go far enough, but it's a big step. The bill offers a significant bump in the nation's ability to reduce greenhouse gases, according to a Duke University director. One summary suggests that the IRA contains no less than 25 provisions, from tax credits to grants and rebates. Here are highlights for consumer funding, $9 billion for home energy rebate programs, things like heat pumps, 10 years of consumer tax credits, including restoration of the 30% solar ITC, 4,000 in consumer tax credits for lower and middle income customers who buy used EVs, and 7,500 for those that buy new EVs. The IRA has provisions for domestic mining of materials that are needed to make solar panels and batteries, as well as for the offshore wind industry, like building large ships that are needed to build offshore wind farms. The bill includes $60 billion to support onshore clean energy manufacturing as well. $30 billion in production tax credits to help manufacturers accelerate production of solar panels, wind turbines, and batteries and process key materials. $10 billion investment tax credit for new manufacturing facilities that make clean technologies like electric vehicles, wind turbines, and solar panels. $500 million for the Defense Production Act to speed processing critical materials. Up to $20 billion in loans for new manufacturing facilities for clean vehicles. The IRA does include significant concessions for the fossil fuel industry. It could result in fast-tracking construction of a natural gas pipeline in West Virginia. The bill also funds carbon capture and storage, a move to extend the life of the fossil fuel industry. 
The bill bargain also ties leasing of federal lands for wind and solar with specific acreages offered up for oil and gas production. Green Hydrogen Electrolyzers Some friends scoff at the notion of green hydrogen. They say it's long and far away, that it's costly and inefficient to convert from water to hydrogen. And they may be right, but big players are jumping into the green hydrogen space. There's lots of action in this space. The word lysis means to break down, in this case to break down water using electricity. Through electrolysis, an electric current is applied to water to split it into its component elements, hydrogen and oxygen, or after the hydrogen. Electrolysis is about 80% efficient, meaning that 80% of the value of the electricity used to create the hydrogen is retained in the hydrogen. It takes 20% of the value of the electricity to make the hydrogen. Put another way, the energy value of the hydrogen produced is 80% of the electricity's value used to split the molecule. The world's largest manufacturer of electrolyzers is Norwegian company Nell. It has business operations in 80 countries and roots back to 1927. It's a global company dedicated to producing, storing, and distributing hydrogen from renewable energy. Nell recently teamed up with Spanish Iberdrola for green hydrogen production. Together they will develop and deploy large-scale electrolyzer projects. Iberdrola has formed a new business entity, Iberlyzer, to focus on electrolyzers. The business goal is to integrate over 200 megawatts of electrolyzers in 2023. Hydrogen Pro has announced that the world's biggest electrolyzer has arrived at its facility in Heroia, Norway. It was made in Tianjin, China, and will produce 100 kilograms of pure hydrogen per hour. The electrolyzer is a long cylinder, six and a half feet in diameter. Siemens and German utility SWW Wunseidel plan to commission an 8.75 megawatt electrolyzer in Bavaria. Hydrogen there will be produced primarily with solar and wind. An even larger 10 megawatt unit would produce 4,500 kilograms per day. That would support 50 buses or 900 cars based on average usage. A new hydrogen power plant planned for operation in Namibia by 2024 will be solar powered. Plug Power, or just Plug, offers a range of electrolyzer products. Leading companies include Plug, NEL, ITM Power, John Cockrell. Contenders include Bloom Energy, Cummins, ThyssenKrupp, and Siemens. More to come. By the way, today most hydrogen is created through steam reformation, a process where a stream of natural gas is mixed with high-temperature steam in the presence of a catalyst. The output is a mix of CO2 and hydrogen. The process is 65% efficient. Little Free Library Movement This seems like good news, old-fashioned perhaps, but with the most altruistic of sentiments indeed. Sharing books, not links and tablets, but hard copy books to inspire reading and readers. The Little Free Library organization and its site hosts have expanded access to reading. Little Free Library is not just a concept, but an organization that was formed in St. Paul, Minnesota. It's grown to be a network of unmanned, mini-lending libraries in different areas of the community that anyone can make use of. There are more than 150,000 registered Little Free Library book-sharing boxes in 115 countries. There are more than 50,000 in the United States. 
Little Free Library is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization. The mini libraries are part of a long standing tradition. Think bookmobiles that serve rural communities. There's the Biblio Borough in Colombia. A Little Free Library is a book sharing box where anyone can take a book or share a book. They function on the honor system. You do not need to share a book in order to take one. And if you want to host a library, you can even buy community book sharing boxes on Amazon. Another take on this is Pop-Up Libraries, an Australian organization promoting books creatively. It uses temporary locations that get attention. Pop-Up Libraries is an artist-led social initiative that establishes small libraries in public spaces like community and art centers. Pop-Up has a great mission. Its libraries are catalysts for reading. They encourage recycling. The mini libraries also inspire creativity. An example? The Whitsunday Australia Regional Council supports mobile libraries by fielding small trailers that open up to display books at beaches and other sites in rural communities. There's a floating library built on a raft on a lake in Minnesota, accessible by kayak. It's a floating raft with bookshelves that feature a collection of artist-made books and printed matter. Air Canada orders electric planes. Air Canada has ordered 30 electric planes from Hart Aerospace, a Swedish aviation company. The Canadian airline has also acquired a $5 million equity stake in Hart. The ES-30 planes are slated to be in service in 2028. The four propeller planes hold 30 passengers and have a range of 125 miles. The current range limitation makes them well-suited to fly short-haul routes, like Palm Springs to Los Angeles or Denver to Aspen. The flights are emissions-free, and the electric planes will require considerably less maintenance than their fuel-burning brethren. They can also be recharged between flights in 30 minutes. In related news in 2021, United Airlines and its regional partner Mesa Airlines bought 200 Hart Aerospace ES-19s. Those are expected to be in the friendly skies in 2026. That's it. Thanks for listening to Flanagan's Ecologic. We'll see you next time. Thank you.